Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. On this edition of the Greener Way, we're talking about human capital and the role of diversity and inclusion. Empirical evidence is definite. Having a workforce that is diverse across a broad range of gender, cultural background, and cognitive background results in better decision-making and better financial return. If this were a BuzzFeed headline, I'd say this episode title is The One Easy Step to Better Financial Return. But of course, there's a lot more to it. Here to talk about this is Ramon Jackson, Head of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Global Fund Manager T. Rowe Price. Ramon, thank you so much for joining us. Can you please introduce yourself a little bit more and talk about your role at T. Rowe Price? Wonderful. And thanks for having me. I'm loving the conversation today. <laughs> Ramon Jackson pronouns are he, him, and his. And I get the great pleasure of leading diversity, equity, and inclusion and corporate responsibility at T. Rowe Price. And what does that all mean? So that ultimately means that I get to work inside and outside the organization to make sure that we are finding and bringing in the best talent that can deliver the best experience for our clients each and every day. That's in a nutshell. There is a bunch of work that goes underneath that, but that is what brings me the most joy. You make it sound so easy in one short sentence, but of course there is a lot of work there. So let's unpack all of that. First of all, just for our foundation, um, why has T. Rowe Price set diversity, equity, and inclusion as a specific goal for the business? Is there a business case for better diversity as well as a responsible business case? There is absolutely a business case for, for diversity as it relates to our outcomes. Given our industry, we have certainly long known the impact of diversity in an investment portfolio. As you think about your 401ks and your own kind of retirement outcomes, we know that when you have a diverse portfolio, over time, that generates better outcomes for your overall outcomes. The same thing can be said for our workforce. You've got diverse perspectives and individuals in the room that are pressing and pushing each other to the best solution. And we found that that certainly allows us to find the best innovative ideas that drives outcomes. So for us, that was why it was really important. And, and thankfully, it wasn't new for the firm. But certainly in the last four to five years, we really have deepened that commitment and that progress. Excellent. So what are the targets specifically at T. Rowe Price, Ramon? Uh, let's talk again about those first principles we talk, before we get into the how as well as the why. Absolutely. So as you might expect for certainly a global investment manager, we have reams and reams of data and research. But as we think about kind of representation goals or success measures, we're looking at a couple of things broadly. So as you think about uh, gender globally, we want to have by 2025, 46% of our global workforce being women. 33% of which in senior level roles. As we think about kind of our U.S. business, we're looking at representation for Black, Hispanic, and Native American talent uh, being certainly at 19% across the U.S., 10% of which in senior level roles. So again, we have a lot of numbers beneath there, a lot of other key measures that we're looking at, but those are the numbers that we've set to really start to set that ambition and align our work around it. You bring up some really interesting points here, and this is something that I'm really fascinated by when I'm covering this topic of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Um, data availability is a key consideration here. So there's a lot of information that the U.S. Department of Labor collects. Um, there's a certain amount of information that uh, the U.K. equivalent collects. Some information on gender here in Australia, but I assume there's a lot of different um, data sets and sort of requirements on companies around the world. So first of all, how do you go about, you know, establishing who your workforce is and what a properly diverse workforce looks like, given that you're a global business? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it will look different by every market. And you hit it right on the head in terms of the regulatory environments. There are some legal do's and don'ts that you can't do by country. So we keep our our legal team and legal partners very busy helping us understand Mm -hmm. what we can and can't ask. And then we certainly work with our employees to get a sense for uh, them being able to share parts of themselves, certainly in a confidential, private way. And that gives us a bit of a shape of the organization. Mm -hmm. One of the the common standards has been certainly gender. So we're able to really capture uh, gender diversity across the world for the most part. So Mm. that is certainly a hallmark of our strategy. And Mm. we're consistently looking at what new factors can we bring into or new dimensions that we can bring into our workforce strategies. It's really interesting. I've been um, running the publication that's now known as FS Sustainability for 12 years, and it used to be in the early days. Well, gender is an easy target to pick up because it's a one or the other, but it really isn't. Mm -hmm. And we've got to be more broad and more inclusive, don't we? Absolutely. It is a spectrum. So we certainly Mm -hmm. look at both gender identity and and a number of other factors as well to really give us a, a picture of our workforce, which will help us be able to understand where are we really tapping the market in a productive way and where aren't we? or where Mm -hmm. we underrepresented as well by country and location. Fantastic. Okay, so we've outlined the sort of the boundaries and what the goals are. How do you start doing that, Ramon? Um, What are the internal processes to T. Rowe Price that you're using to increase representation and equitable representation as well? Yeah, so so one of the first things is that we're treating this work like any other business strategy. So we've cast a three-year strategy around diversity, equity, and inclusion because we we know it can be a buzzword sometimes, but it really is a journey. You're going to have three steps forward, sometimes one step back. But what I have found is that it's important that we set clear expectations and then have accountability measures to really drive those outcomes. So for us, uh, we are working by business unit, by leadership team to really expand those sourcing channels so that we're able to introduce uh, more individuals to careers and tier or price. And then on the back end, certainly ensuring that we are having inclusive hiring processes so that we're not losing great candidates in the process. And that same thing certainly applies in every step of the talent life cycle. So attraction, development, promotion, retention. And that's where the real work is to agitate mm-hmm. those systems and find more equitable ways to really design them. I have about a million questions just, again, out of that one simple answer, Ramon. So let's keep this simple. Um, Where are the bottlenecks at each of those stages? So from the recruitment to the retention to the promotion. So so there are bottlenecks throughout. As we think about recruiting, sort of that first bottleneck is just access. So are we posting our positions and opportunities in space where we can actually reach certainly those underrepresented talent profiles? So that means that we are sourcing in different places. We are also looking at the language that we use in our job postings to make sure that we are able to speak to individuals across a diversity of dimensions. And the third piece on the recruiting side is that process ensuring that we are disrupting biases that may show up in the interview process. And the same thing on the, on the promotion side in terms of how are we thinking about go-to people? How mm-hmm. are we allowing leaders to be able to be sponsors for talent so that everyone has access to raise their hand or at least inquire about uh, their career pathing and promotion opportunities? Mm. So actually, if I can ask another numbers question, Ramon, how many people per year or how many positions per year did T. Rowe Price initially hire for? So like, what's the scope of the of the of the work here, at least on that uh, just on that recruitment phase? Yeah, absolutely. So for certainly a global organization like T. Rowe mm-hmm. Price, I mean, it, it certainly will fluctuate, you know, mm-hmm. from year to year. But we may have uh, around a thousand hires, you know, a year mm-hmm. new to the organization. Certainly that fluctuates with business strategies, but we certainly have enough movement to be mm-hmm. able to really um, create opportunities for individuals around the world. And then through that stage, you know, in terms of promotions and um, retention strategies, are there 
numbers of people each year that are sort of moved up the levels at T. Rowe Price again, or is that a little bit more of a a case-by-case basis? It's more case-by-case, but what what we have found and what I found is we think about kind of broadening the aperture of sourcing. So over the last two and a half years, what we've seen is of our external positions and hires, over 60% over the last two years have been uh, to diverse individuals. So women and individuals of color in in global Mm -hmm. markets. So what that Mm -hmm. meant for us was that as we began to create opportunities and access for talent and they're working through an inclusive hiring process, their chances for to receive an offer and to accept an offer certainly increased as well. So that was certainly a reinforcing uh, moment for the work that we're doing around making our opportunities more inclusive. Excellent. And look, I'm sorry to be giving you so many nitty gritty questions, but you've really sparked my curiosity here. So when you say things like, you know, you're making sure that you're going to non-traditional places, making sure that your job adverts are in front of people that may not have been included before. What does that mean? Does that mean going to, you know, different um, institutions of learning, um, going outside of traditional financial majors or B schools and looking for people in other that are studying other pathways? What does that actually look like in the process? It means all of those things. It means going to uh, different universities that maybe were not uh, tier one universities for the organization in in the past. It Mm. means partnering with really great organizations that specialize in cultivating diverse talent within our specific industry. Mm -hmm. It also means thinking about non-traditional routes into our industry. So thinking about other, whether it's the tech industry or other spaces that also have really great investment professionals and marketing professionals that could be a gateway to careers within our industry. So it does mean kind of taking a fresh look at what's worked in the past and saying, Mm -hmm. what are we missing and who are Mm -hmm. we missing more importantly? I want to make sure that I'm giving equal space to the all three parts of your title. So we've talked about diversity and inclusion, but what does equity look like in this process and how do you define equity um, as it relates to hiring, retention and promotion? So I love equity. Equity is, you know, m- many will say it's the newest part of kind of the DEI, and some will add the belonging nomenclature. And mm-hmm. for me, equity really means the actions that we take to reach equality. That's kind of how I typically define equity to make it a little bit easier for all of us to to be grounded. And it means creating space for individuals to be able to to have an additional kind of hurdle taken down. So we do things like a women's stock pitch because we've we've heard and we've understood as we go to college campuses that sometimes women may not have as much confidence in doing those stock pitches. So we'll organize events to give them space to be able to build that confidence to get some some at-bats. As, as it relates to being able to, to, to pitch those stocks, we mm-hmm. will create sponsorship initiatives where we're creating space for individuals in underrepresented segments to be able to get access to senior leaders. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what equity looks like in terms of how do we help raise the floor for individuals that may have had some, some gaps or some hurdles to jump over to reach our organization. And I love this distinction between mentorship and sponsorship. I know through my career as a journalist that the person who makes sure that not just they're teaching you the ropes, but are making sure that you're put in front of the positions and the opportunities to grow your career, that's what really makes you grow as a, as a person. And so that making that really specific distinction between that two and leading with sponsorship, I think, is such a great way to look at it. Yeah, we found quite often through research that uh, women and other individuals tend to be over-mentored and under-sponsored mm-hmm. uh, because that's typically the easier space to be in. And while both are important, we really have tried to anchor to this notion of ensuring that folks have access to that mm-hmm. sponsor to really advocate uh, for their career and their career ambition. I mean, it goes to the fact that sometimes it's easier to put numbers around, well, we've created, you know, X number of uh, mentorship opportunities or we've offered Y number of internships and making that next bridge into opportunities a little bit 
uh, more qualitative than quantitative sometimes. And, Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. So the other thing I wanted to ask you as we're talking about this sponsorship piece in particular, I think, is the Black Leadership Council within T. Rowe Price. Um, why does it exist? Uh, and how do committees like that play a role in embedding progress at T. Rowe Price? Committees are so critical to bringing kind of that that point of view and that sentiment to the organization. So the Black Leadership Council and T. Rowe Price was formed formally in 2020. So when you think about uh, the murder of George Floyd in the U.S. and certainly the global kind of unrest and, and racial discussions that were happening around the world, and mm-hmm. we realized that we had an opportunity to hear more directly from our mm-hmm. Black leaders around their experience both inside the firm and outside the firm. So that was really where the group formed. And their work has been so critical in helping us really understand the sentiment of Black associates. And more importantly, what can T. Rowe Price do as an organization to strengthen that experience? They've done things like they've hosted uh, welcome events for new joiners for the organization. They recently hosted a Black Leadership Summit, kind of our first ever, uh, just this past week. And it was a great opportunity to bring our talent together for a day of leadership development development, community building, access to senior leaders, and certainly cultivating this space where they can kind of bring their best, but also contribute to our client outcomes and our business results as well in in a powerful way. Mm, I know for me, it was so powerful um, early on in my career and speaking as a sort of a cisgendered woman, when I would see editors who were in leadership roles in newspapers and organizations that I worked at, um, this idea that it is something you can see it, you can be it is, it sounds really trite, but it can be so powerful, can't it? Yeah, there, there is such a power in visibility. Mm-hmm. And, and we understand that certainly being a global organization and we've got, you know, folks all over the world. And you may be in a team where you might see one or two individuals that may look like you in the course of your day. But when you come together as a part of a summit or a Black Leadership Council and you see just the, the vast numbers of individuals that that may have a shared experience with you, mm. it does give you space to be able to ask different questions, to be able to aspire to, to different and larger seats. And for us, that's been really helpful for not just the culture, but also being able to harness that power of diversity to really drive meaningful mm. outcomes for the firm. Now, Ramon, we've talked really specifically about what happens within the house at, at T. Rowe Price, but you know, in talking with your colleagues through the years, um, obviously as an active owner and an investor that engages with companies in the portfolio, I'm wondering if T. Rowe Price has been able to, you and T. Rowe Price have been able to use the experience and what you've built inside the house to offer suggestions to portfolio companies about how they can implement similar strategies. We absolutely do. And, and that's been one of the, the powerful things that I've seen shift in my career. So certainly I've been in the industry for over 20 years and in a DNI role for the last uh, 10 years, 10, 10, 10 plus years, and seeing these conversations um, evolve with client partners and portfolio partners where we're, we're talking about what we expect in terms of the power of diversity, and more importantly, the sharing of best practices. Uh, mm-hmm. Because while I'm certainly sharing the things that we are testing and learning, uh, there is a long road ahead. We've had some near misses in our strategy as well. Uh, so thankfully, when, when I'm in these conversations with uh, counterparts at other firms, they're sharing things with me in terms of what they're testing and learning, what's working and what isn't. So we are finding this community to be able to, to share best practices and ultimately create next practices that we can all learn from. Excellent. So, Ramon, um, you've said that this is a three-year strategy with targets and goals put in it. Whereabouts is T. Rowe Price in this three-year strategy? Um, and what are you looking to for the future? 
Yeah, so it's, it's exciting to share that we are at the end of year three of this strategy. So we, we have launched the next year strategy, and it is focused mm-hmm. a lot on integrating and sustaining. So sustaining the work that we're doing and then integrating this work kind of across the organization, embedding it with other practices uh, across the firm. And as I think about what's around the corner, you know, we are launching uh, a formal disability inclusion strategy. We certainly have had pockets of work. We've done the benefits pieces, the accommodations elements. But as we've seen, the, the increase. And individuals that are in that community, but more importantly as well, or differently rather, we're seeing individuals that are connected with Mm -hmm. folks that are in that community and caregivers and things like that. So ensuring that we are creating space and benefits and solutions that support our associates in that way is something that we're focused on over this next iteration as well. Fantastic. It's uh, certainly finding ways to be accommodating and sponsoring of people with disabilities is a topic here in Australia as well. And it's a great conversation to be a part of. Yeah, we always found that the more that we can uh, alleviate some of the pressure and some of the pieces that each of us deals with kind of in life in general, uh, it makes space for you to be able to show up in a way in the workplace where you truly can contribute and, and live out whatever your career ambition is. Fantastic. Now, Ramon, I said at the top that we are not a BuzzFeed listicle. Howsomever, I would like to ask you if you have three suggestions for any organization that's looking to go down the path and do what you've done at T. Rowe Price. Yeah, absolutely. I I love getting to a place of of action. So first, I would say, you know, look at your numbers, you know, whatever numbers you have available, like what is the makeup of your representation? Where Where are you above representation? Where might you have some gaps? Where is the energy around that? Second, a great place to start is always on inclusion. The diversity part can be tough sometimes to figure out what do we actually do there, but everyone needs to be anchored to inclusion. So how do you create a foundation set of training that will help your employees be able to connect with why this work is so very important to the organization? And third, we talked about it earlier, thinking about sponsorship and mentorship. It is not purely a DEI initiative. This is a talent management initiative. So being able to create access for individuals to, to grow in their career, I think, is another third step that someone can take today to get started. Fantastic. All right. Well, Ramon Jackson, Head of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at T. Rowe Price, thank you so much for offering your thoughts today. Yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for creating space for this very important conversation. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you liked today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allenbackis. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.